At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number three of the look at right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we got a tremendous final hour for you. We've already looked at a few baseball games that we've got for this upcoming Monday, but we're going to be polishing off those. And then along the way, we're going to be joined by David Behrman. He does a great job over there at ESPN and ESPN Chalk. I know that he does an amazing job being able to take a look at just so many things from NBA to the MLB, NFL, list goes on and on. Just a wealth of knowledge. He's going to be joining me here in the back half of the hour as well. So we're going to have some fun chatting with him. We want to take a little bit of a look at the NBA postseason and all the series. And right now we've got a result pending with regards to the Stars and the Calgary Flames. As I am on air right now, we're finding a 2-2 score in the third period. So if this game does wind up going final, I'll be able to pass along a little bit of a series price there. If not, unfortunately, we are going to be unable to since it is TBD as to what we're getting there. And if you take a look at it, Calgary, Calgary Flames wind up closing as right around a $2, even a little bit north of that, and a lot of spot favorites. So very interesting to see what we're getting out there on the ice as, I mean, really all those game sevens with regards to the NHL. Very exciting. The lone game seven that did not wind up being a one-goal game. That was the Kings versus the Oilers, and I mean, the Kings were right there in that one as well. They did a solid job on defense, just couldn't put the biscuit in the basket. So certainly has been some great action out there, and we've got some great action when it comes to Major League Baseball with regards to Monday. As we've looked at a couple National League games, we've took that of taking a look at a few American League games, and currently as I do this, we've got two games that are off the board, White Sox versus the Kansas City Royals says right now the White Sox have a TBD starter. I was hearing through the, I guess you call it great find that there is a chance that Johnny Cueto winds up starting in this one. That has not been confirmed though. And as of right now, there has been no announcement made there. So we're going to be waiting on that. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, a little bit of a TBD situation there. Not a lot of places have a number up there. But with that said, what we do have is the San Francisco Giants going to the Colorado Rockies, and we know what we're getting here. We've got numbers as we go 909-910 on the betting board. Colorado Rockies are going to be throwing out there Antonio Sensatella, and Alex Wood is going to be going for the Giants and the Giants. Despite what we wanted, finding on Sunday Night Baseball, they're finding themselves in between minus 145 and minus 150 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Rockies, you're going to be getting them as low as a plus 130. I'm seeing as high as a plus 141 out there with the total starting out at 11. And it has jumped to 11.5. You've got the over in this spot with the 11.5 in a lot of places right around even to minus 105. So a little bit of juice to the under. But I do think that it's a case in which you've got to be taking a look at some of the external factors in this game. The Colorado Rockies, just over the last few years in general, have been one of the best home teams in all baseball because being at elevation provides such a big advantage. You've got a San Francisco Giants team that now they're going to have to travel from Sunday Night Baseball. And something that I think is important to note with these teams that have played on Sunday Night Baseball and they've come back on Monday, they are 3-7 and seven straight up. And one of those losses actually came last Monday where the Dodgers 
went to Pittsburgh and they wound up losing to the Poopy Pirates as right around a $2 favorite. So if you've been fading these teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, this year has been profitable. Last year was profitable. It's just really been a strange spot because you do wind up having these late flights that wind up having to go about. And on top of that, you do have yourself a situation now in this one that you're going to be going up at elevation because the San Francisco Giants, as we know, they're down by the bay. That is certainly not even close to the Mile High City. They want to play in St. Louis, another city that you don't have it at elevation at all either. So that winds up taking a lot out of teams. And it's a big reason why you always find it with the Colorado Rockies. They've got such demonstrative home and road splits. You just take a look at this Colorado Rockies offense. They're hitting over 50 points higher at home than they are on the road. You're going to notice that just so many guys like a CJ Crone, they wind up getting like three fours, sometimes four fifths of their home runs at Coors Field. It's just such a different environment from anything else that you're going to find in baseball. And for Alex Wood, he's been okay with the San Francisco Giants. I wouldn't call him by any means great. He's certainly far from a bum as well, but guy that I don't necessarily know if I want to be placing too much faith in him. And then you take a look at Antonio Sensatella and this is a very strange circumstance that we've got with him because his fielding independent and his ERA just do not match up. He's got a 488 ERA, a 435 fielding independent, which means that he should be doing for a little bit of, I guess you'd call it positive progression, and his ERA should be able to go down a little bit. But here's what has me concerned right now for Antonio Sensatella. Opponents are doing a great job of being able to put back the ball against him. He's giving up 15 and a half hits for nine innings. Opponents Currently for the season, and this is home and road, hitting north of a 350 off of them. And at home, this wind's going to right around a 395. So, you know, it's been allowing a lot of our contact. And for the San Francisco Giants, perhaps what we wound up saying towards back half of the game against the St. Louis Cardinals, in which they were hitting against, I'm not even kidding here, Albert Pools, who was on the mound in the ninth inning because the game was such a blowout. Maybe that winds up being able to provide them a little bit of a spark. And for the San Francisco Giants, it has been a case in which this has been an offense that has been able to get going. They've been able to score four-plus runs and now five out of their last six games. So they've been able to do a nice job there. But I do take a look at this Colorado Rockies team, and I do think that the bullpen being just even a shade bit better this year is helping them out. Now, you take a look at it, just really what we've got league-wide, and obviously it's been a little bit of a downer with regards to these offenses. But... I mean, Justin Lawrence along Daniel Bard, they've been able to perform so much better. And even the bullpen has some pretty demonstrative home and road splits as well as that they were better at home for a lot of these guys like a Daniel Bard last season at home rather than on the road. As a matter of fact, for Bard, he wanted posting up an ERA right around three at home, more like a seven to an eighth on the road. So massive discrepancies there. I do think that this is going to be a relatively solid spot. For the Colorado Rockies, I was willing to take them as long as I was getting pretty much a plus 125 or greater. We have certainly cleared that barrier. And I do think that Sentinel is going to give up a little bit of contact. But I think that just due to everything that the Giants are going through, having to travel late at night, coming off of Sunday night baseball, now you wind up going out to Colorado. Bats might be a little bit tired. The elevation might be a little bit strange for this team as well. So I did wind up setting my total at a 10.7. I think that this total has honestly moved in the wrong direction. So I'm taking a look at an 11 and a half under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Colorado Rockies in this part, in this spot. Rockies have been a little bit of a surprise out there in the national league West as when it comes to the West, you don't have a single team that's below 500. And that includes this team as well. The Arizona Diamondbacks were going to be going on the road facing off against the LA Dodgers. This is 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board with the Arizona Diamondbacks buying themselves 
quite hefty underdogs here against the LA Dodgers. Sony Gonsolin goes for them, and Gonsolin and company are finding themselves anywhere between a minus 230 and a minus 250 favorite. Meanwhile, with Arizona, we find them in a lot of places in the $2 range, seeing as low as a plus 190, as high as a plus 210. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I did think that this was going to be a little bit of a difficult circumstance, and I thought that I was posting up a generous line for the LA Dodgers when on my personal handicap, I made them a minus 194 because I thought, you know what, coming into Sunday, four-game losing streak, this team is going to be a little bit hungry to be able to bust out of that, but playing north of $2 here is just unfeasible with the Dodgers. I mean, even a run-line play with the LA Dodgers, you're finding them right around minus 115. At DraftKings, you're finding minus 120 with the juice. I was willing to go up to about a minus 105, and that's it. I just don't find a lot of value here with the Dodgers, and I feel like they're just not being priced according to what they are right now. We've noticed some struggling bats when it comes to the Dodgers team. Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, Justin Turner, these guys are going to get 220 or lower, and really for Cody Bellinger, it's a multiple-year funk for this guy, so that's not necessarily been too terrific, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks. What I will say about this team is that you can't expect a lot of guys to necessarily get on base consistently for them. They're hitting as a collective blow at 210, but you do have Dar- Dalton Varsho and you do have Christian Walker, a pair of guys that have been able to give this team six home runs. And to my surprise, it's actually been a Arizona Diamondbacks team that has been one of the best at being able to rip home runs thus far this season. So that has been encouraging for the team. And the pitching has been nothing short of magnificent with regards to starting pitching of the years and a Diamondbacks. So bullpen is a little bit of a different circumstance out of the 30 teams out there in Major League Baseball. They are currently rated 28th with regards to bullpen ERA, but they do have so many starters. They're able to come in and they're able to hold down the fort. Merrill Kelly has been good for this team. You wound up seeing Zach Gallon a couple days ago look absolutely magnificent. And for the years and the Diamondbacks, with regards to their starting rotation, they are second in the league with regards to their ERA at a 251. The only team that's better, ironically enough, is the Los Angeles Dodgers at a 245, but we have seen that torpedo a little bit because we've been having a lot of injuries with them. They wound up having to push up guys like Julio Rios and Walker Beeler because Clayton Kershaw winds up going on the injured list. So that's taken a little bit out of the sales of that team as well. So a little bit of an issue there. And when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, this has been a team that, I mean, I've been surprised by them, but there's been a lot of good plus prices on them. When the Arizona Diamondbacks have been at least a plus 140 underdog. This is a team that is 7-3 in their last 10 games as such an underdog. So they've actually done a nice job of being a rise up. This is a Diamondbacks team that they're in six straight up on the road as well. So that has been nice to see with the LA Dodgers. This is obviously still one of the best teams out there in Major League Baseball, despite the fact that they've lost four out of their last five games. So question, this is a team that they're still re- looking relatively solid, but because the Dodgers did wind up having Clayton Kershaw go on the injured list, they pretty much had a pseudo bullpen game on Sunday. So they did wind up having to use up some guys like a Phil Bickford and company. Alex Vizio wound up going into that series against the Philadelphia Phillies, having not allowed a single earned run. That has went way up with that regard. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they have been getting absolutely nothing out of someone like a Mark Melanson, but Caleb Smith since coming off the injured list has been solid. Joe Manatipoli in that bullpen. He's got a sub one ERA. So I do think that you've got a little bit of value here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm not saying that they wind up winning this game like 50 plus percent of the time or anything like that, but being able to get north of $2 here on the Arizona Diamondbacks, I think that's relatively solid value. They wind up saying the total at an 8.3 as well. So on the 8.5, I'm looking under because I do like the way that 
Madison Bumgarner's been able to pitch in. Tony Gonsolin, sub 25 ERA for the Dodgers as well. So looking under and looking snakes. And coming up next, we're looking to a great guest, David Behrman. He does a terrific job with ESPN Jog. He is going to be joining me next right here on The Look At on VEASAN, the Esports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And we're back here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And great to be joined by our guest as David Behrman does absolutely terrific work for ESPNChalk.com. Does a great job being able to take a look at so many different things. Everything from the PGA to the NBA to the NFL. list goes on and on. Covers it all. You're able to follow him on Twitter at D. Behrman ESPN all together. And David, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Absolutely, Greg. Thanks for having me. Always love being on with you on Sunday nights. Always love having you aboard as well. And always love being able to take a look at intriguing series. And I think that we've got that with the Celtics versus the Heat. I know you're someone that being from the state of Florida, you keep up with the Heat quite well. And I think that this is going to be a great series right now with regards to the series price and a lot of places buying the Celtics in the neighborhood about a minus 160. And that to me seems about right. But I think that this is going to be a series that goes at minimum six games, if not seven. And I think that there's going to be some spots to be able to bet both of these teams throughout. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think this is a series a lot of people have been looking forward to. And, and quite frankly, I'm a little bit surprised that the Celtics did take care of, of Milwaukee as easy as they did today. Um, I actually thought Milwaukee was going to win the series, which they probably should have done in game six. But Overall, Boston was the better team. They blew a couple of leads earlier in the series. They could have wrapped this one up earlier. And then, of course, they did what they did today in, in, in Game 7. Um, it sets up for a very good series. The Heat and Celtics have done battle before. They did battle a couple of times back in the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh era. Uh, but these are the two top teams in the East right now. And you got to give Boston credit for playing that home court they earned against Milwaukee, which they used to their advantage today. Um, I, you know, the, the, the price of the series probably is about where you thought it would be at Boston, 160, 170. Uh, but it just continues to show um, the, the lack of, of respect that the Heat are getting in the betting market. And obviously there's a little bias there, me being from Miami and being a Heat fan. Um, you know, the Heat did earn the number one seed. They do have home court advantage. And it's not that often you see the one seed with home court advantage being, you know, a dollar and a half to almost a two dollar underdog. Um, you know, the, the Heat have done this all year long, whereas the Celtics were about a 500 team for about half the year before they turned it on late. Uh, but it, 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 Greg, it, it really looks like it's going to be a fun series. It should go six or seven games, um, and, and we'll see what happens at the end. And I think so much hinges upon what we wind up getting out of the backcourt for the Heat as well, because Kyle Lowry did not wind up playing in that series at all against the Philadelphia 76ers. They were able to dispatch them and what is just one of the strangest series I'd ever seen before with the 76ers versus Heat because I mean, it just felt like there was absolutely no buzz around that whatsoever. We were all looking at the Celtics and the Bucks with regards to that because it was just a much more interesting series in general. But I think that that's so big what you wind up getting, if anything at all, out of Lowry. And then obviously Victor Oladipo coming back has been big for the team as well. Yeah, and what, what I think the Heat showed in that series is how well coached they are and what a veteran team that they can be with with Butler and Bam and, and other guys there because, you know, you win two games, no surprise, without, you know, Joel Embiid's not in the series and the Heat win easily. Embiid comes back, Philadelphia's at home, they win those two games. All of a sudden, people are thinking, oh, with Embiid, Philly's the better team. The Heat go back for game five and game six, and it was no contest. The Heat were the better team, better coached, better players. 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, Philadelphia may have been one of the more talented teams in the league. You're just not putting it all together with James Harden, Simmons, et cetera, after all the trades. Uh, but I do think that the Heat with, with Eric Sprosta there, you know, he, he's one of the best coaches in the league under Pat Riley, that they, they have the intangibles that you really just can't put a dollar figure on when you're talking about handicapping a series. And they continue to not get the respect from, from the betting public and the bookmakers being an underdog in this series being as high as 20 to one to win the whole thing as a one seed. Uh, but as long as you have Spro on the sidelines and you got Jimmy Butler running things with the heat, they're going to be in every game. They're going to be in every series and they can adapt and change at will, which is what they did in the 76ers series to overcome Joel Embiid coming back the heat winning games five and six to take that series pretty easily. When you think about how the series went down. Yep. And I'm so glad that you point out the chemistry aspect as well, because I mean, we see it so many times. You wind up having the Nets trying to build on the fly. A lot of guys that want it being out for much of the season. They wind up going down in a fiery heap. You see it with a lot of teams with regards to college basketball that they try to build exclusively through transfers. Doesn't even work out. Heck, David Dable did take a look at the Olympics before the U.S. team wound up being able to get a couple reps under them. They were struggling as well. So I think that that's such an underrated aspect. So I do think that it's so good that you wind up bringing that up. And I know that you do a great job of just taking a look at a little bit of everything. And I know that you've been taking a look at the stop golf that we've got as well. I know that you're going to be making your futures a little bit more set when it comes to Monday. But what are you taking a look at with regards to this? This is going to be an interesting event. There's the court, you know, in Southern Hills in, in Tulsa is a course that has hosted majors before. Wasn't really supposed to host this one. This one was going to be at one of Trump's courses in New Jersey before politics got involved. And of course, then the, the PGA Championship got moved. Uh, but the course is ready to go, um, and it, it's a long one. It's going to be playing between 7,400 and 7,500 yards. And every time you look at this course at, at Southern Hills, you're thinking, well, it's long, so you need to be a bomber. Not necessarily. The fairways are a little bit wider than normally are for the U.S. Open. So you think, okay, well, if you can get it out there, you'll be fine. Not necessarily. The greens are going to be just as undulating and just as difficult as you saw at Augusta National uh, might even penalize you a little bit more because they change some of the greens around and have a lot of runoff. So there, there's been reports out there in some practice rounds that if you miss it in the wrong spot, the ball could roll 50 to 60 yards away from the green. So really what this course is going to come down to, you need a guy who can basically hit those greens in the right spots, miss in the right areas and be able to get up and down when the ball does eventually run off and, and run away from the green as we saw at the Masters, and we've seen in other courses. So really, I'm looking at guys uh, that are good at hitting greens with their irons and are good at their short game and can at least hold their own with putters. So those that that description fits the bill for guys like Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, all great iron players who just need to putt average to be able to have a chance here. And ultimately, it is a major. It's going to be a tough course. You're not going to see minus 24, 25 win like you saw this week at the event at, um, at Byron Nelson. So this is a this is an event that, that, that hosted a senior PGA last year where the winning score was minus eight and only four guys were under par. I think it's going to be even harder at that because that played a little bit shorter. You're looking at a course at 73, 7,400 yards with very, very difficult greens. Don't expect a lot of scores under par. It's going to be playing like a U.S. Open, uh, but it is a PGA Championship. Expect to be in the minus six, minus seven range. Couple of players under par again. Scotty Scheffler, you know, if I didn't mention him, he's number one player in the world. All he has done is one recently. Uh, he's going to be in play as well. Uh, but I wouldn't go out there and just take the guys who can bomb it just because it's a long course. you got to look for guys who can hit the greens and scramble well as well. 
Yep, and you take a look at what we wound up getting in the majors last year. I mean, you wound up seeing it with a guy like a Phil Mickelson being able to win a championship, and, and it was a situation which I don't think that we were thinking that Phil was going to be able to do quite that, but and it was a case in which he didn't necessarily need to be overly long off the tee, though. Take a look at his drives that he wound up having last season. He was certainly able to deliver there, but I do think that it is so unique. And how much do you think that scrambling is going to matter with regards to this major? Because I think that this is one of the ones where it really comes into play. Yeah, scrambling is going to be very, very important. So if you're looking at handicapping this, and you're looking at playing your DFS lineup or some of your picks to win or your props, top 10 and top 20, like as you mentioned, I'll have our column will be out on Wednesday morning. We'll be putting work together the next few days. I am looking at scrambling. I'm looking at shots gained approach. I'm looking at shots gained around the green in terms of scrambling, either from the rough, from the fringe, et cetera, because once you take a look at this course and you see how a lot of the greens run off, even some of the best shot shakers in the shot shapers in the game are going to be hitting greens and watching the ball roll back down, roll back off the side. So you got to be able to chip. You got to be able to pitch. You got to be able to putt. So I will be looking at guys with strong iron games and guys who can actually get back up and down when even the good shots miss because these greens are not going to be easy and it's going to be very frustrating for a lot of these guys who think they have good shots in that, you know, wait until the wind blows. If the wind does blow, it, it, it you know, with the temperatures out there in Tulsa being higher than normal for a PGA championship, you're going to see some hot, fast greens that scrambling is going to be very, very important. Yep, I totally agree with you there. And when it comes to when you wind up playing a lot of these tournaments, whether it be a major or whether it be just a normal event in general, how much do you wind up taking a look at matchups as opposed to, say, just outrights and top fives, top tens? Um, I like to play a lot of the props with top fives, tens, twenties, and the matchups. I'm big into the props and the matchups. Of course, you're going to take a couple of guys to win. You always do. This past week, I had Ryan Palmer at 125 to 1. Uh, was right there in contention up until, you know, late today. Uh, but I do like the matchups, trying to figure it out. You don't know those until the tee times come out, so I can't give you one just yet. Uh, but I will have a couple later in the week that I'm going to be looking at. And ultimately, you want to be able to watch it. And to be honest, Greg, my favorite thing to do when it comes to golf is bet it live. If you have time to sit in front of the TV and watch it Thursday, Friday afternoon, play some live bets based on what you're watching right there on the tube. My goodness, you've been able to make a lot of money being able to bet live golf in recent years with some of the guys that have just come back and not even just the majors, but just week in, week out with regards to golf. So I'm so glad that you bring that up. And David, you're doing a great job of holding it down over there at ESPN Chalk. Like I mentioned, you cover a little bit of everything and it was great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much. Thanks, Craig. I appreciate you having me on and uh, look forward to our Chalk preview later in the week. It's going to be absolutely tremendous. And David does great work whenever he joins us over here on the look at and always a wealth of information. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on the show. And coming up next, we've got a few more baseball games that we've got to take a look at for Monday. We've covered most of the card, but going to be tying up some loose ends next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to be able to compete for free for cash prizes all season long. Enter into weekly prediction pools. Fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to be able to join in on the action. Blue Moon made brighter 21 years or older. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as always, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. 
big thanks to David Behrman of ESPN Chalk for joining me in the last segment. It was good to be able to pick his brain. So we've been chatting a little bit of everything on the show tonight. We've wound up bouncing around with regards to some NHL. We've wound up taking a look at the NBA. And if you're looking at that final series between the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars, well, I'm probably not going to be able to give you a futures price on that because we don't know if the Stars or the Flames are going to be advancing 2-2. Two to two And it is going to be going into bonus hockey. Intriguing with regards to the total because a lot of places wound up closing this total at five, but the juice was anywhere between minus 135, minus 140 on the over. And you wound up jumping in very early. You were able to grab a five and a half. So that's a depends upon your number sort of ideal with regards to that one. And if we do wind up getting a final, I will certainly let you guys know. But as of right now, we are going to be getting some bonus hockey with that regard. And what we're also going to be getting on Monday is plenty of baseballs. We wound up seeing a little bit of a pitching change with the Miami Marlins, so I think that it's important to hit this one. 901, 902 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins were experimenting with the different starters. I think that Cody Poteet was on the board to start with. Now it is confirmed Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for them, and Aaron Sanchez is going to be on the bump for Washington. And as a result, the opening line of Miami being a minus 150 favorite, well, that is not the case anymore. Right now you're finding them anywhere between minus 205 and minus 210. Meanwhile, with the Washington Nationals, getting them anywhere between plus 175 and plus 190 with a total. A lot of places at a 7 heavily juicy over. If you're finding a couple 7 halves, like I'm seeing one at Circa where I'm sitting right now, that is heavily juiced to the under. But I feel like we've gotten a little bit overvalued here with the Miami Marlins. I was willing to take them up to like a minus 165. And if you're taking a look at the run line in this spot, you're finding it right around even money. I would have needed a plus price to be able to take a shot here on the Miami Marlins. So... Aaron Sanchez has not been great this season. That's very, very fair to say. He has given up at least three runs in every one of his starts this season. And Sandy Alcantara, he does have some big home and road splits. You take a look at Alcantara last season, 241 home ERA. His road ERA was north of four. So right around a buck 60 was his differential between home and road. But this is a Washington Nationals lineup that they've actually been really able to pick it up this season. Josh Bell has done a nice job of being able to reach base for the team sitting a little bit north of a 330, and it's on base percentage, offering right around a 425. So that has been good for the team now. The one thing that they really need is, can someone, for the love of Pete, get on base for Juan Soto? He's got eight home runs at 11 RBI. That means that at least five of his home runs have been solo shots, and I believe that six of them have been. So that's a little bit of an issue, but you do have guys that are actually capable of getting on base. Kiber Ruiz. Cesar Hernandez, Mikel Franco, all these guys have been able to hit at least a 265 for you. Soto himself hitting right around a 260 with a 394 on base. If you want to firing in on Juan Soto to be able to win MVP prior to the season, it was just a case which I could not wind up getting behind it because he uh, sort of knew that the Washington Nationals would be, well, Washington Nationals and not necessarily be too terrific. You just take a look at the pitching that you've gotten out of this team in general. Patrick Corbin wound up giving another very, very poor start on Sunday and as a result, you've got a pretty taxed bullpen and a bullpen that we're going to call what it is. It wasn't very good to start with. They're utilizing a closer in Tanner Rainey, who last year wound up having a ERA that was north of seven thus far this season. Nationals have had a tough time holding down the fourth. They're currently 20th with regards to bullpen ERA, so it leaves a whole heck of a lot of something to be desired. And for the Miami Marlins, it's been a little bit of an up-and-down bullpen for them as well. You've had the... Anthony's Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender. They've been able to do a solid job of being able to hold it down as a collective 343 ERA. So 
they are right around 10th of the league, but also keep in mind that Miami so pitcher-friendly, so that does wind up skewing these numbers a little bit more. It's a big reason why the Miami Marlins don't have as many home runs allowed because it's hard to be able to get a deep fly out there. And you do take a look at what you're able to get outside of guys that are that are named Tanner Rainey and been a little bit up and down with regards to this entirety of the bullpen. But I do think that you're going to be able to get a couple solid innings out of some of your more ancillary pieces like a Josh Rogers, who is a little bit of a starter coming into the year. He's actually looked halfway decent out there in the bullpen. So that should be able to help this team out a little bit. But I do think that the offense is going to be able to carry the day because you take a look at the Miami Marlins and they've actually been a little bit better with the bats than I was expecting coming into the season. But also with regards to this Miami Marlins team, these stars have not necessarily been able to get off and running for the team. Ore Soler, Avicio Garcia, Jacob Stallings, all hitting a 211 or lower for the team. Chaz Chisholm, he's been able to hit right around 290. He's been able to deliver with six home runs thus far. And for Soler, to his credit, he has been able to get seven home runs. So the hard contact has been able to pick up a little bit. But I think that we've went a little bit too lofty here with the Miami Marlins, making them a little bit north of a $2 favorite. I recognize the Nationals pitching, not necessarily too terrific, which is why I'm taking a look at this seven. And hopefully the juice winds up getting a little bit better because at a seven, I'm certainly in on an over in this spot. And with the Nationals being able to get right around a plus 175, like we're seeing at DraftKings, other places, you're even able to find this a little bit higher than that. I'm in on them. So looking at the Nationals and on a seven would be taking a look at an over as well. Seven and a half would probably be much more hesitant to wind up pulling the trigger there. And how about a team that has been one of the nicer surprises out there in baseball? That would be the Los Angeles Angels. They're going to be going on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Texas Rangers. 921-922. You've got 55 shades of John Gray on the mound for the Texas Rangers. And Noah Thor Syndergaard is going to be going for the Angels. Angels, they're in a lot of places anywhere between about a minus 135 to a minus 140-ish favorite. Circa has the high water mark here at a minus 143. And for Texas, and between plus 115 as and plus 131 is where you're finding them there, and your total on this game is eight. And with John Gray, you just take a look at the way that he wanted pitching away from Coors Field last season because he was with the Colorado Rockies before signing with the Texas Rangers. Wound up having north of a five ERA, and it's been a case in which he just hasn't necessarily been able to figure it out whenever he's been away from Coors Field, whether that be this year or if it be in seasons past as well. And then take a look at Noah Syndergaard and. His swing and miss stuff is actually down. He's getting fewer than eight strikeouts per nine innings, so that's a little bit uncharacteristic for him. As we remember, he wanted to deal with injuries the last few seasons, but has been able to come back, has been able to look very solid for this team, and what he's doing is something that John Gray is not doing, preventing walks. Gray, four walks per nine innings. That is a massive issue for him, and you do take a look at John Gray, probably doing for a little bit of positive progression, 551. ERA, but a 435 fielding independent. He hasn't been giving up just a boatload of hard contact. He gets right around eight, eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. But what else does not wind up helping is cause the Texas Rangers lineup. You've got on a night in a night out basis over half your team hitting 220 or lower. It has just not been great. A Marcus Simeon wound up signing just this rich, rich contract. He is batting lower than a buck 75, and he's got as many home runs as Greg Peterson. And I have not taken a single swing at the plate before in my life in a major league baseball game. So that's not necessarily what you want right there. Avicio, or I should say Adolis Garcia, has been able to give you a pair of home runs. He wound up doing so on Sunday, but that said, he's been hitting right around a 205. 
Corey Seager, you expected a little bit more out of him. Certainly has not been the waste of money that Marcus Simeon has been, but still has not been great. Now, what I will say about the Texas Rangers is that they've really been able to pick it up with their bullpen. Bullpen ERA, after the first week, week and a half of the season, it was straight in the toilet bowl. Now they're league average at a 365. So if you take out the first, we're going to call it 10 games of the season, this has actually been a top 10 bullpen with guys like Braden Burke being able to come in. Matt Bush has been able to do a good job. Joe Barlow is someone that I do like. And for the Angels, that has been a little bit of a trouble spot for the team. But good news is, guys like Rossio Glacius, Ryan Tapera, they're going to be good to go in this one. Aaron Loop wound up having a 1 ERA last season with the Mets. And it's not just guys named Trout and Otani. Now, Shoei Otani wound up completing lighting, completely lighting the Texas Rangers ablaze the last time they wound up having a series. He wound up having three home runs in that first set that these two teams wound up playing in. He's coming off of back-to-back jacks in games against the Oakland A's, but I mean, you take a look at Taylor Ward. He's right now got a 500 on base, and he's been able to hit eight home runs. He has been terrific for this team. Brandon Marsh is getting on base. Joe Adele didn't have the world's worst start to the season, and just because they've got so much depth right now, I believe that he's right now in the minor leagues, and he was a very highly touted prospect, so that has been very interesting to take a look at as well. You've had a couple of injuries when it comes to the team, but they've been able to overcome all of those. I do think that Noah Syndergaard Going to be able to come out, going to be able to give a good start. Has a right face-off against the Texas Rangers once this season. Wanted giving up two runs over the course of six innings. And wanted being a cruiser win for the Angels. Now, I do take a look at this Texas Rangers bullpen. And I do think that that's going to keep this total under. I do think that John Gray winds up giving up his three to four runs over the course of like five or so innings. But then the Rangers are going to be able to hold down the fort. But that said, with the Angels, was willing to lay up to about a minus 135, minus 136 with them. So, seeing the DraftKings line right now at a minus 135. Pretty much that's the maximum that I'd be willing to lay with them, but I would be willing to lay it to go along with a total under end. When it comes to the American League West, that is going to be the basis of what I'm going to be doing my write-up on for Monday out there in Major League Baseball. I'm going to be taking a look at one of those games out West and tying a little bit of a bow around what I like for Sunday as we've got the look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Banking Network. Greg Peterson holding it down for Scott Seidenberg. Got one more segment on the other side. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Spring Special is here for just $59. You get everything that VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with a whole bunch of sports to be able to bet on. And here at VSIN, we've got the best in the business to be able to help you get to the window. And subscribers have access to all of it, like Adam Burke's daily best bet emails in the MOB. John Von Tobel, he's got you covered with regards to the NBA, Andy McNeil. He's breaking down everything with regards to the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Plus, we've got you covered with regards to NFL preseason coverage, the UFC, golf, UFC, NASCAR, list goes on and on, USFL as well. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features daily best bet emails, every single edition, the point spread weekly, our betting tools, live video streaming, cost is just $59 to be a subscriber now through July 31st, and you're able to get all this at VEASAN.com slash spring as it is the final segment of the look at with myself, Greg Peterson. Great to be able to hold it down with Scott Seidenberg. All the guys behind me, they do a terrific job without them. We would not be having a show right now. Jason Kahn and everyone else behind the scenes, a big thank you to them. And now let's take a look at what we've all got with regards to Monday. I wind up doing a write-up every single day with regards to the MLB slate. And we are going to be going with one out there out west as we wind up going Oakland A's, Minnesota Twins here. 925, 926 on the betting board. Totals remain the same, but we've seen a little bit of a 
movement with regards to the Jufes ever since I wanted coming on as you do have Oakland finding themselves as about a, now we've seen a line movement on this as well, plus 112 to a plus 120 underdog. They wound up opening up in a lot of places, quite a bit more hefty as the Twins, they started out being right around a minus 140 favorite. At DraftKings, they're holding so strong at a minus 135, but we're seeing as low as a minus 122 where I am at Circa. So seeing a little bit of a differential here in your total on this game. It's still a 7.5, but when I wanted coming on, the under was juiced in a lot of places right around a minus 120. Now you're seeing a lot of minus 110s, even a couple minus 105s as well. So we've seen a little bit of move here, and I do agree with it. My DK Nation pick is going to be on the over because they going to look at Chris Archer. He has not completed five full innings in a single start this season. And with Mr. Archer, 5.9 walks per nine innings in his last five starts. So that is a little bit of a concern. Now, the bullpens for both of these teams have been nothing short of magnificent this year and a little bit out of nowhere. Both of these teams, they rank in the top seven with regards to bullpen ERA, but with the Oakland A's, they did wind up having to go to their bullpen for north of nine innings the last two days because they wound up having to play that double dip against the LA Angels. And I don't know how sustainable it is. They're going to continue to have guys like Danny Jimenez wind up throwing the way that they are. So that is a little bit of a concern. And then you do take a look at the Minnesota Twins. And they've been able to get some good bullpen work as well. Danny Columbia has been able to come in. He's done a nice job of being able to hold down the four for the team as well. But Joe Smith continuing to have a 0.00 ERA. This is just not very sustainable at this point. You've had Griffin Jackson long relief. Do a very solid job. And they might wind up needing him in this spot because, well, Chris Archer has not been able to deliver a whole heck of a lot of length in general. They're dealing with an injury to Chris Paddock, so that means that the bullpen is going to get more and more usage as the days wind up going along as well. So that is not necessarily ideal for this team. And then you do take a look at the lineup as well. What is just so massive for the Minnesota Twins is that on Sunday, they wound up getting Byron Buxton back in the fold. He has missed quite a few games for the team this season, but in the games that he has played in, he has been absolutely magnificent. He has played in 24 games, and he's got 11 home runs thus far this season. So, I mean, he's on pace. If he were to play a full 162 games, which obviously he's not, he's already missed 11 games, but if he were to play a full 162 games, he'd be on pace for north of 78 home runs. It is absolutely ridiculous what we're seeing. And behind him, you do have a couple guys who are able to get on base for you. Gio Urshela, Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler, in between about a 235 to a 245. Now, Carlos Correa has been out of the fold for the team along Trevor Larnich. Those injuries are of a little bit of significance, and Miguel Sano continues to be out, but I mean, I would argue that Miguel Sano being out does not really hurt the team at all. When he wound up going out, 0.93 batting average. He did wind up having 30 home runs last season, but a guy that swings and misses a lot, a guy that doesn't necessarily give you any sort of consistency whatsoever, give me Luis Arias as said, a guy that has a 410 on base, 315 batting average, not a guy that winds up going yard, but is just going to continue to move the line. And then for the Oakland A's, certainly has been a little bit rough with regards to the offense. They have scored three runs or fewer in 15 out of their last 21 games, but you do have a couple guys that have been able to do a little bit better with being able to get on base. Sheldon Noisy, he's been able to hit right around a 280 for this bunch and got a little bit of pop out of some of these guys. Chad Pinder has been able to give you a trio bombs this season along with Seth Brown. Sean Murphy has been able to go deep four times up. So that's been a little bit encouraging for Pinder. Been a little bit banged up this season, but when he's been out there, he's been able to hit 253 for this team. And then I take a look at Zach Logue who's going to be the starter here for the Oakland A's. He's been able to do a solid job in his career. Two starts and a long relief appearance for him to begin things. He's given up just two runs in that time span. Both of those wound up coming in his start against the Minnesota Twins. Wound up going five innings, 
gave up two runs, and both of those were on solo home runs. So I do think that there is going to be a little bit of negative regression to him because the other two games in which he wound up playing in, and he wound up not giving up a run in either of those, here against the Detroit Tigers and the Baltimore Orioles, two of the more downtrodden offenses out there in the big leagues. If you take a look at what he wound up doing with the AAA affiliate, which ironically enough, out here in lovely Las Vegas, the Aviators, he did wind up giving up a home runs per nine rate of a 2.8. He was walking four and a half guys per nine, wound up making four starts, 16 total innings, wound up giving up 12 earned runs, I believe 14 in total. So this is a guy that can get it around a little bit, even when he wound up having a nice season out there in the minor size season. You wind up having right around a 375 ERA. So I do have my concerns there with Mr. Logue. And then you wind up getting into a bullpen. I think he's going to be doing for a little bit of regression. And I do think that you find yourself with some solid value on the over. And top of that with Chris Archer, certainly not the most trustworthy guy in the world, but he's backed up by a little bit of a better lineup. Now that we're seeing, like I'm saying here at circa a minus 122 on the twins, that's a little bit of buy point for me. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 125, minus 126 on them. So now we're getting to a point in which I can feel comfortable about laying a smaller number on the Minnesota Twins to go along with an over as well. We've hit on most of the games for this MLB Monday, but how about one that we haven't hit on because it does wind up having a larger number. But with that said, we've got a marquee team that is going to be taking the diamond, 915-916. The New York Yankees hit the road faceoff against the Baltimore Orioles with Kyle Bradish going for the Orioles, and Luis Severino is going to be on the bump. For the Yankees, sizable favorite with the Yankees, anywhere between minus $2 and minus $2.10. Meanwhile, with the Orioles, anywhere between plus $170 and plus $190 is what you're going to be able to get on them. And this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the run line with the New York Yankees right now. You're finding that in a lot of places right around a minus 125. DraftKings right now has the best price. They're finding, you're finding that they're at a minus 115. And I was willing to lay up to about a minus 140 with this Yankees run line. You take a look at the way that this team has been on absolute fire. They have now won 18 out of their last 21 games. They're going up against an Orioles team that if you bet the Orioles in every one of their games, despite them being 14 and 20, because they've gotten so many plus prices, you're actually up right around $100, depending upon closing line value that you've been able to get with them. So that's actually been solid. And Kyle Bradish coming off of a start in which he wound up going seven innings, gave up two runs against the St. Louis Cardinals. That was in a winning effort. He punched out 11. So he's got a little bit of upside. And for the Baltimore Orioles, it's actually a top 10 ERA with regards to the bullpen, but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression. CNL Perez right now has a sub one ERA. That's just not necessarily sustainable. I actually like what I've seen out of Felix Bautista and a few other guys, but you got guys like Brian Baker coming out of the bullpen makes you feel a little bit skittish about being able to bet on them. Meanwhile, for the New York Yankees, number one team with regards to bullpen ERA, really other than Jonathan Lewiska, everyone's been having a rock solid year. Araldus Chapman, sub two ERA. Ever since he wound up having a walks issue about a month ago against the Toronto Blue Jays, he has certainly been able to turn it around. Heck, you're even able to take a look at someone like a Wandy Peralta. He's been able to do a nice job. The only bullpen piece that they wanted needing to utilize on Sunday against the White Sox was Clay Holmes, who's actually been very good with a sub-1 ERA, but most of these guys are rested. They're good to go, and for the New York Yankees, you've got yourself a duo in Aaron Judge along John Carlos saying both of these guys have a double-digit amount of home runs. These two guys have a combined 22 to put this into context. The Tigers as a team have 16, so that has been very impressive to take a look at, and then you've got Isaiah Canera-Falefa, who's been able to get on base, DJ turned it up, LeMahieu, he's been able to give you right around a 275, 280-ish with regards to batting average as well. So I like what I've seen out of these guys. And for the Orioles, the offense has been able to pick it up. You may recall at the beginning of the season, Orioles' first 12 games, 
I believe that they wind up having 11 unders and a push, depending upon your closing numbers there. But maybe they will pick it up a little bit more. Cedric Mullins is now hitting a 260. Was legitimately one of the best hitters in all of baseball last season. Ryan Mountcastle, he's able to get on base for you. Now, they are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Austin A's as well. So I had to downgrade them a little bit more with that regard as well. But I did wind up setting my total in the spot at an 8.3. The 8s that we're now starting to see pop up, I'm willing to take it over in this spot. And at an 8.5, I would much rather have an 8 at like minus 110, minus 115 juice over rather than lay like a minus 125 like I'm seeing in a lot of spots under as well. I do think that the juice is very much a long game that you're playing with Major League Baseball. So you want to be getting those minus 105s, minus 110, rather than taking an under of an 8.5 at more like a minus 125. So looking at an 8 over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Yankees on the run line. And what else we're taking a look at is a big, giant week in the sports world. If you're listening to the replay, follow the money. That is going to be coming up next with Mitch Moss, Paulie Howard. They're going to have you covered from the week that was and the week that is going to be turning it forward with regards to the sports world right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Bank Network. Bank Network. Bank Network.